There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's March 31st, 1997, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. The program is boring and repetitive. The characters have ridiculous names and don't speak coherently. The views of one fuming parent interviewed by the Daily Mirror in response to the TV debut on this day of Tinky Winky, Dipsy, La La and Poe and a sentient vacuum cleaner called Nunu and a human baby who lived in the sun. The children's TV phenomenon... Teletubbies. And one viewer later accused the BBC of committing cultural vandalism by axing Play Days, which was a more traditional style children's program, on the basis that Play Days had been a defining experience in the development of a whole generation, which of course Teletubbies is now. I mean, what it came down to in the end was that it was this divide between what children's TV should be. So there were the Play Days group, and I feel I've got lived experience here because I mean, I was six when the Teletubbies was on, so I was a Play Days watcher, and my younger brothers were were Teletubbies watchers. I mean, Play Days, I really loved, but it was this sort of 1950s-y model of children's show. It was very logical and structured and instructive. And Teletubbies wasn't taking the role of a teacher so much. It was almost like the Teletubbies were more like friends to toddlers. They had gibberish that was supposed to approximate the way that toddlers start to pick up language. And they acted in a way that toddlers could identify with, rather than being like, you know, holding mummy's hand and going to the shop and the shopkeeper teaches you about Mm. what coins are this was sort of very free-flowing and that stuck in the craw of a lot of people who thought that tv should be very firmly educational but when you look back at the first episode uh, which was called ned's bicycle by the way you realize actually that there's still a lot of hand-holding watch with mother legacy type stuff in it it's not completely kind of you know, something that only a one-year-old could understand. For a start, the scheduling, it was on at 10am on BBC Two, <laughs> which is, I mean, <laughs> that is now the slot where Victoria Derbyshire does feedback to the news, right? Just that scheduling tells you that it's a time when probably you're talking about a parent that's done the school drop-off and they are there with their child watching. It's not something that you put on as a babysitter. And then yeah. within it, the, the episode's called Ned's Bicycle because the thing that the Teletubbies are saying again, again, we want to see it again, again, is a really boring play school style insert set in the real world about a child called Ned who has a bicycle. I mean, actually, it's exactly what they used to play on play school and play days. It's just been given a bit of a modern frisson. OK, Ollie, I have to say counterpoint this episode synopsis, series one, episode <laughs> nine. The episode starts with Lala outside the Superdome and the Teletubbies do the running away dance. A voice trumpet delivers a message that makes Lala laugh. Then the magic windmill spins. The Teletubbies watch children learning about the number one. Then the Teletubbies take turns to wear a skirt and Lala makes Dipsy wear it even though Dipsy doesn't want to. Then the Tubby Bye Bye sequence takes place as the Teletubbies go home and the sun sets. Have you been on the Teletubbies wiki page? I have. And you know what? The episode synopses are... So detailed. <laughs> By definition, only grown-ups can write and read that. But why? <laughs> yeah. Why? Like, the Wikipedia page is sufficient. 
But I must say, even though you're right, Ned's bicycle does culminate in a, a, an extended clip about Ned's bicycle. It starts off in Trippiesville. It is so odd. I mean, yes, it's not designed for me. I'm a, I appreciate that. I'm a 40-something-year-old man. It is not. I am not their target demographic. But at the same time, looking at it, I could understand immediately why it generated backlash, because it's really freaked out that like the 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 colors and the sounds and you're like this is upsetting it's unsettling to me yeah and sometimes that weirdness went too far even for audiences at the time in the height of tubby mania so there was this early episode which had a segment called the lion and the bear involving cut out animals voiced by eric sykes and penelope keith i mean how cool is that by the way, there's a thing that's just an aside in your kids' TV program. <laughs> Teletubbies rocks. I'm sorry. And you're wrong that it's just like trippy and weird. It's not. It's, ama- it's beautiful is what it is. This was deemed to be too frightening to children and it had to be re-recorded and re-edited, which as, a, as an aside, I find it hilarious to imagine somebody ringing Penelope Keith's agent to say, can you come in and re-record those lines to make them less traumatic for two-year-olds? But the, strange, the thing is, I thought, I'll have a look. You know, the clips are on YouTube. Why not? I fired it up and as soon as it started, I thought, oh crap, I remember this. It must have been when my younger brother's watching it. But like, I remember it is sinister. It is scary. And this is like, well, what am I? I'm 31 now. So we're talking, this is 25 years ago. That sequence came straight rushing back into my head as soon as it started. It is really unsettling and it does just stay deep in your core memories. Okay, but what we're not seeing is evidence of, uh, as someone who was exposed to Teletubbies as a relatively young child, Rebecca, what we're not seeing is evidence that you are in some way educationally disadvantaged, which was essentially the argument at the time. There's this strange philosophy, which I think came about because of the success of Sesame Street, which was like the big international children's hit before this, wasn't it? 20 years earlier. I think because of Sesame Street, people are like, well, kids' TV should be educational. And Teletubbies isn't. Like, it, it, mm. it is designed by people who have a great grounding in, in, like, children's speech therapy and psychology and understanding what appeals to toddlers. But it's an entertainment show. And there was this feeling from grown-ups of, well, why are you making an entertainment show for a one-year-old? One-year-old should be being educated. Whereas, actually, I think it's proven now that the, the generation who watched Teletubbies, not only did they grow up quite functional adults, but also they have a good understanding of technology... Which I'm not saying we should credit Teletubbies with, but we should credit Teletubbies with anticipating. Like, the whole point is, let's create some characters that are plugged into the world and have TV in their stomachs. It might have seemed scary in 1997, but it was absolutely the right way to try and introduce technology to children as well in a programme they're watching. By October, the programme had two million viewers, which is astonishing for a kid's show. And about a month later, this was when the first tranche of uh, merchandising started appearing in stores. And that really kicked off the next furore, which was that the media was able to speculate on the toy rage that was being generated by adults who weren't able to get their hands on the Teletubby soft toy of their choice in time for Christmas. And there were stories about adults being willing to pay £300 for a $10 toy. It was kind of like back to the Buzz Lightyear phenomenon that had happened earlier. But it was another moment where there was this like stick to bash Teletubbies with. But again, about what adults think. Adults are prepared to pay too much money for a crap toy. Adults think (laughs) it is threatening and sinister. Adults think it's repetitive and it's rotting my child's brain. Adults think Tinky Winky's gay. Adults think it's trippy. Who cared? Like, two-year-olds love it. And that was Mm -hmm. the thing, wasn't it? It was designed for two-year-olds. Two-year-olds love it. It was the first uh, Western kids show to be broadcast in China. 
Another thing that adults are incredibly preoccupied with that I'm sure children couldn't have given two hoots about is seeing the actors inside the costumes. Right, Mm. tabloids were competing to get a snap of the Teletubbies with their heads off. Yeah, to the point where a tent had to be constructed on the set to shield the actors if they wanted to remove their headgear, which I'm sure they wanted to do a lot because they were incredibly (laughs) hot. They had to make a little special bench for them to sit on inside as well. Like, I had no idea how big the costumes were. The tallest Teletubbies were 10 foot tall to the point that you, the rabbits, would run around in Tubbyland were Flemish giant rabbits so that they could look proportional which kind of made me think why didn't they just make the costume smaller rather than sourcing (laughs) designer rabbits (laughs) well there's a lot of technology in those costumes in 1997 I mean obviously now they've found a way to do a lot with uh, digital engineering in in post-production and in fact I've been to see Teletubbies live and the costumes of the Teletubbies live now are the size of like you know a mid-size adult woman a kind of five foot something right. and therefore not <laughs> terrifying to children but the original teletubbies costumes couldn't go on tour because the target audience envisaged the teletubbies as the same size as them so to then go to you know their local theater and see a 10-foot puppet <laughs> would have scared them senseless and uh, it would have been impractical anyway because the actors couldn't see or hear inside basically and they made adjustments that they're wearing earpieces and things and they put big fluorescent um signs up next to the cameras so that the actors could have a mark but on day one of shooting they realized oh actually they can't see what they're doing i mean it, it was must have been horrifying working under those conditions that seems very poorly thought out but too late we've built the sets sorry guys yeah. you're in the 10 foot costumes <laughs> for the next five years <laughs> yeah. I found this astonishing detail that uh, the woman who owns the house that's on the farm in Wimpstone in Warwickshire where the whole thing was filmed, there was this mass of trespassing of Teletubbies fans who wanted to come and see the set and people were jumping fences and crossing cattle fields and her solution, the, the solution of the woman who owned it, Rosemary Harding, was to flood the place so that people wouldn't come to see it rather than capitalistically thinking well i could make a, a few bob here and like yeah. charge entry and have teletubbies land she was like nope i'm putting it underwater that's the end of that i was curious what happened to the actress who played the sun baby um so i googled that exact phrase and i found an article <laughs> from ok magazine entitled where is the actress who played the sun baby in teletubbies now and it was published mm-hmm. 21 hours ago I mean, I had no wow, idea this was such a hot topic. Works. Holy <laughs> moly. It just shows you, like, it, it's something that stays with people. Uh, anyway, yeah. uh, studying dance education at Canterbury Christchurch University is the uh, answer that a, right. a page journalist bothered to put into print this week. <laughs> <laughs> so now I know. Tomorrow. You can go and touch this place. Literally, you still can, can't you? Despite the erosion, go and touch the walls where this terrible thing happened. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 